we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... There was nothing the Witch King could do there. Halt the tide of the high elves pouring into Nagrath. With vexed wrath, he abandoned his beloved Anilek and made for the sanctuary of the Blighted Isle. You realize I'm just deleting all of this, right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'm just okay. making, giving you something to like do a mic test with. Delete. Mic test seems fine. We're good. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 97 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. We've only got four episodes left, including this one. Uh, and then we're bailing the fuck out. So uh, this episode, we are going to be talking about a suggestion that Andy threw our way called Wormwood Gentleman Corpse by Ben Templesmith. It's birds, came bees, out f- blood, and beer. <laughs> came out from IDW in... <coughs> 2005? 2005, 2006, something like that. We'll talk about that later, but uh, for now, uh, welcome to the show. I am Luke. Hi, Andy. Hi, Luke. Hi, Joel. Sup? Anne, unfortunately, couldn't be with us for this show, but she should be with us next for the next episode. We are a week late on this episode because we had scheduling conflicts and all kinds of problems and there was a a parade in in the city that Andy, Andy lives in there that would have literally a parade. So, on this note, uh, there was a parade that went right in front of my house. I knew about the parade and the parade was going to start at about 11. No big deal. I did not know about the marathon before the parade <laughs> that ended right in front of my apartment. About uh, let's say 50 yards past my bedroom window. Yeah. So I get woken up at 8 in the morning by hearing some young lady going, almost there, you can do it, just a little bit more, you're almost there, <laughs> for 15 minutes, and I had no idea what the fuck was going on at first. See, you should Orgy. you should have just started using that for masturbatory encouragement, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that's... That that's see? Mm. Would have been fantastic. Mm. Just start, you know... By just working it and like and then and the whole time you've got some lady out your window going you're almost there come on you can do it uh there's as has been the case for the last several episodes of the show there isn't a hell of a lot to talk about in the actual comic book industry uh there's some stuff we're gonna i'm gonna talk a little bit about i mean san diego comic-con was last weekend yeah and, i was just uh, like there's nothing nothing happened well okay that's what, what i'm nothing luke cares about where i was uh, where i was leading is not uh, it's not that there isn't stuff to talk about. It's that the the comics industry, as far as comic books themselves, mm. not much happening. Mm. Lots of movies, lots mm. of TV show stuff. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about some of that as we go. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con was pretty cool. You were there for work, right? Uh, this was actually the first year, yes, I was there for work. And this is the first year where I did not step a single foot on the show floor. And I did not miss it. Yeah. that's Not a second of it. How do you feel about what's called a sea of humanity? A sea of sweaty, <laughs> you know, ball sack humanity. It's not. It's really the sea of humanity is not that bad. It, the cosplay is pretty awesome. The thing that gets me is all the rubberneckers. 
the motherfucking rubberneckers that will sit oh, yeah. in the middle of a, of a row or the walkway and just like, hmm, I wonder what's over here. Yeah, when, yeah. when you're trying to get somewhere and yeah. somebody's just standing there, you just want to just shoulder check. That them. is a convention thing, and it's just yeah. amplified by the sheer volume That's of true. humanity that happens at, at San Diego. Because like that happens at... Um, at Emerald City as well, and we've made fun of it in the past. Like, uh, you know, when I was wandering around Emerald, Emer- was it Emerald City or PAX? I think it was actually Emerald City where I just did that in in a in a lightly traveled hallway because I'm not a dick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were talking about that, and then I just stopped. I stopped and stared at a bathroom sign for about five minutes straight and it's amazing <laughs> the, watching the people never like kicked in until that point right it's just really amazing watching other people walk around you and try and like figure out what the fuck you're looking at yeah you know yeah yeah <laughs> um i mean but there was some real interesting stuff i didn't really see the the protesters as much the um the you're going to hell for reading mm-hmm. comic books they they weren't as prominent this year. No bullhorns or anything. There were a couple things like um, there was the <clears throat> they were doing like some kind of guerrilla marketing campaign where it was just people that were dressed in white with masks and they were just staring up at the sun and walking along and people were wondering like what the, what the Isn't fuck that the uh, the leftovers. No, it wasn't the leftover. It was for the new. There's a new video game where it's all like s- smiling people. I can't remember what the video game is, but it's all about the perfect society, and you're the one anarchist in this, trying to disrupt this perfection. But yeah, and everybody thought they were a cult, and people were actually, of course, asking them if you're they're a cult, and they wouldn't say anything. Like, no, we're not a cult. No, no, it was guerrilla marketing, right? Yeah, there are no cults anymore. It's it's just marketing campaigns, just trying to get your interest. <laughs> Yeah, I've. I want to um, stare at the sun. Yeah, I really wish that I could talk about San Diego Comic Con with the reverence that it used to draw out of me, and and with the reverence that a lot of people who who go and who aren't able to make it still talk about mm-hmm. it with mm-hmm. because, but it's just such a it's such a ridiculous spectacle that it doesn't really like it. I don't know. There's just something about it. Like I can't. I cannot imagine even trying to navigate it. Like, yeah. I, like because the other problem that I have is that it's it has become such a marketing thing that there are so many people who go there for no other reason than just to get con exclusive swag. Yep. And I don't give a fuck about con exclusive swag. The only. Um, panels that I ever would have want to be in are probably going to be in Hall H and I am not camping out on the sidewalk for a I'm not the last thing I camped out on a sidewalk for was my PlayStation 3 and that was what that was 90 or 2006 yeah and, and was it I'm worth it never doing it again well yeah it was cool at the time it was cool yeah um, you could you couldn't have waited a week and, and just got it normally eh, not you at, couldn't not at that time no like they weren't smart about it we didn't like that was the first major console release that Amazon took part in, and even they, wow. even their stock was pretty small. Yeah. Once the PS4 came out, it was like we we realize now that there's never there is never a reason to wait in line for anything ever again. Yep. Like we're just going to order it on Amazon; it'll be delivered to our door the day of or the day after, and we're never going to fucking do it again. For the PS3, we did it because it was novel. It was fun. Like yeah. and we actually like You want to do it at least once. I backed up I backed up my pickup to the 
to the spot where we were standing in line so we didn't have to actually sleep on the sidewalk we were sleeping on a you know a pad in the back of my pickup so it was like <laughs> it was actually it was pretty fun but yeah i just i see these pictures of people waiting in line for hall h panels and i'm mm. like well you're you're waiting in line for days you know for anywhere from 12 to 48 hours yeah just to be in a hall to see people talk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And while that's happening, life is passing you by. There's yeah. so much that's going on at the con, and yeah. you're taking time to just sit there. In I one mean, place. I, I thought it, I think it's bad enough when people will stand in. They'll they'll show up at PAX, and they'll show up three hours before the hall opens to get in line just so that they can rush into the hall to get in line. Mm. And then they'll wait another three or four or five hours to play 15 minutes of a game that if they wait a week, it'll be out. The demo will be out on network to, yeah. for people to play. So yeah. it's just like, I don't know. I don't get the mentality anymore. It's it, Well, because you're not 17 anymore. Well, no, that's fair. But even when I was 17, I couldn't like... When I was a teenager, early twenties, mm. I don't think I could I could have fathomed going to the convention in its current state. Like when I was seventeen, that was fucking twenty years ago. <clears throat> so San Diego Comic Con was big, but it wasn't this, yeah. right? So when I was in my teens and early twenties, looking at San Diego Comic Con, it was still a a big convention, but it wasn't this massive yeah, like clusterfuck clusterfuck of humanity that um, that it has become. Um, and it's interesting to me because I've you know over the last so I signed up for Twitter in 2010 when we started doing podcasts, and I was doing it mostly as a marketing thing. And now it's actually become the primary social media that I use. And I've got a lot of comics industry people in my Twitter, and it is amazing to me over the last five years since I've joined how many more of those comics industry people are just giving up on the con. Yeah. You know, it's just it's so many really of them are them. like, uh, are just like, I'm not even going to fucking bother. It's, on a related note, Ben Templesmith gave up on the con. Yes. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, actually, because okay. I've got it. I've got it set aside um, specifically for this episode. Um, but it's just so many people, so many industry professionals are just like, it's, you know, it's not, it is a comic book convention that is actually bad for comic book people yeah yeah it's Which, but not a comic for, book convention but not anymore. for the comic book industry though maybe not yeah um not for marvel but I don't dc think image i don't mm-hmm. think it's but a it's good thing for, creators, for the comic industry for, yeah this begs to differ yeah yeah the one so the one thing that i really do enjoy is that that's kind of the epicenter for like all of pop culture right and you could see yeah. so many different people because i'm um, like i I went outside to have a cigarette, and there was this couple there. It was like the day before the show, maybe Thursday or whatever. And I was, we struck up a conversation, and it, they started going to San Diego Comic Con in like '86, sure. right? And he, and his wife said that back then there were like no high rises, the gas lamp wasn't half what it was. There was sure. pretty much nothing. It was just like Podunk, San Diego, mm-hmm. right? And it's now the coming. 20 years later, 30 years later, and seeing what it is now is like it's completely changed. Yeah. You know? And I have no doubt that the income from that convention and the, um, the volume of that convention of, of um, 
people that show up at that convention has had a profound impact on San Diego as a city. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there's just so much oh, shit God. that just prepares mm. solely for that convention. Yeah. Like, when we were looking for rooms to go down there a few years ago, we, you know, of course, we couldn't get a decent hotel room, so we started looking at sites like Airbnb and, and VRBO, and the people that own uh, condos or apartments or anything within an hour radius of San Diego, like they jack up their rates to mm. nearly 10 times what they're, some of them are like, if they're actually down in like the gas lamp district, then they're, they'll jack them up to eight or 10 times what they normally would pay, normally would charge. Yeah. Cause people will pay and, that. Cause people will pay it. You yeah. Know, something parking that, was $50 a day. Yeah. Something Whoa. that, <laughs> something that's normally, you know, fifty or hundred bucks a month. Now people are or a day for a VRBO down there. They're now they're charging you know four, five, six hundred dollars yeah. a and night for it, and they'll it get too. it. Yeah. And they'll get it because it's, it'll also be a, like a one bedroom apartment, and ten people will cram mm-hmm. into it and sleep on the floor just cause. Mm. And I don't know. I've. I definitely think that I would have been more inclined to do something like that in my early twenties, and yeah. definitely in my thirties, I am out of. I'm out. I went to a party last night that had it was pretty packed. There was a, a decent number of people there, and it was like just social anxiety central for me. I just did not want to be there. Oh, like man. I had fun. And that's why you're a writer. Yeah, right. I and it it was actually kind of funny because it was a it was a Clarion West thing, so it was a room full of writers mm. and publishing folks. And I was talking to a couple of people about that, and I'm just like luckily the party wasn't so slammed that it was really bad for me. Like Mm. if it was shoulder to shoulder shit, I would have been in there for about 20 minutes and then bailed. Yeah. But I'm wandering around. I was just like, um, I was talking to another writer who was just like, yeah, when you get a room full of writers who are all staring at their feet at the same time, it's pretty much <laughs> like there's not a lot of social anxiety because the whole room is full of it, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's so, just as awkward so as I am. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, one thing I got to say, and this was probably the, the most awesome moment I heard about at San Diego Com- Comic Con. It wasn't me. And I think this is the reason why people go. It wasn't was, me. Yeah, it was J.J. Uh, Abrams, right? The Star Wars panel. Mm-hmm. So they were having the Star Wars panel. And then afterwards, they had J.J. took everybody out to a screening of of Star Wars. It was right? like a footage thing? Yeah, or? it was a footage thing. So he took everybody out. They went out on the, on the marina. They had fireworks. They had this display and took you know, like the whole group there. And so that's what everybody's looking for, for that one experience, you know, that yeah. nobody else will ever have. And I think like the cherry on top was like Kevin Smith was the the seminar right after him and nobody showed up because <laughs> everybody was at the Star Wars panel. Oh, Kevin. Yeah, I um, I get that. Like I get the whole thing of having those experiences, but I, I would much rather have them organically now, no. right? I would rather... Like last night was a perfect example for me. It's it's odd, ties in oddly well to this conversation where, you know, I just happened to uh, meet a fellow writer a while ago, and he and I have started gaming a lot. And then he was the guy that showed me about this party for Clarion West, and I went to the party, and um, you know, it was it was awesome for me because I met some guys that I. Th- like that I really look up to. I met Greg mm. Bear last night, who's a big sci-fi author. Um, and th- that's kind of a more organic experience. It just kind of happened and flowed through things, through other things that have happened in my life. And when they're horrendously contrived, it doesn't really feel that... No. It doesn't feel fun to me when it's just like... 
it's an experience that someone has built for me to experience in a specific way. It's yeah. not as interesting for me. That's what movies are it, for. It feels a little artificial, right? Yeah, it yeah. feels really artificial. A little saccharine. Well, you know, but some people haven't gotten used to the taste of, or uh, used or against the taste of saccharine and that artificiality. Yeah. They, they enjoy that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's the reason why music is the way it is and yeah. books. And, and see, everything. the kind of experiences that happen like that, like the, 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 that's one of the reasons why we've talked a million times on the show about Emerald City Comic Con, where you can have those kind of weird panel experiences that are like, you know, geared for th- certain things, or you can go to the celebrity a- area and meet people for 40 bucks a pop. Or you can do what we all like to do, which is to wander around Artist's Alley and talk to guys. Like, mm. talk to the creators that make the things that we love. I um, what? I feel a segue. For what? I did, go you, ahead. Now you've, I know. I just ruined it, didn't I? No, go ahead. I'm I don't even know what you're talking about. Segue into what? Go ahead. Okay. Ben. Oh, no, no, no. I was, okay. we're, we'll talk about that in segment two. Um, but, like, you know, that's the whole reason why we have been able to get cool people on the show like Curtis and like Curtis and Cullen and oh my god Cullen's awesome yeah um, I mean I can I can th- I think that like I can legitimately say that like if I were to fly down to I think where does Brian Hurt live South Carolina I think yeah I want to say um, you know if I were to be in his city he's a guy that I could actually probably contact now and say hey you want to go get a beer and like and that is all because of just being able to wander up to his table and talk to him about his work and then, you know, talk to him back and forth so many times mm-hmm. over the past, what is it, four years uh, at Emerald City Comic Con, four or five years at Emerald City Comic Con. And that's the thing that you, like, the true organic, like, real experiences are what you miss out on when you're focused so much on waiting in line for this giant thing that has been prepared in a specific way for you to experience in a specific way. Yeah. Like you're supposed to digest it in a very certain way and the the entire, there's nothing real about it. Yeah. It's all hype and it's meant to hype you up and get you hyped and hype, 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 hype. And it's not meant to be something that you're like, holy crap, this just happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's why I didn't miss not setting a single foot yeah. in that convention center. Yeah. And sort of, I didn't miss anything. On the note of ECCC, I mean, like, I really feel like that con is offering me less and less every year. I think we've mentioned this on the show. Yeah, it's kind of getting, it's turning more into the kind of thing that, like, PAX and San Diego Comic-Con is. Artist Alley is still fantastic there. Yeah. Uh, like, wandering around the Artist Alley is the same as it ever was. The rest of the con is what's offering less to me, like of the things that I actually like. Now, that being said, I will still go there for the artist's alley. Mm -hmm. And for now, they're starting to start a big writer's, like a writer's track. So there's a lot more like prose authors that show Mm -hmm. up and do things like that's last year's. That's where I met Django. That's where I met Mike Cole and guys because I got to go to an offsite event that was coordinated with Emerald City for a bunch of author, like sci-fi and fantasy authors that mm-hmm. I really like. Yeah. Um, but maybe th- that's just a fact that your palate, your palate has changed, right? Oh, absolutely. From when you were a kid. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're not eating, you're not eating pizza all the time now. You want something <laughs> a little bit more substantial. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. I fucking love pizza. Yeah. Really? A little pepperoni pizza? Oh, just oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you gotta think, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, it's and it's interesting. You know, I can sit here and talk about it all day from the outside because it 
you know, it is it's become a thing that unless unless I go to San Diego as a professional at some point in my life, I'm never going to that con. Um, and even as a professional, it would take a lot to get me there. Like, I would have to, you know, I would have to be famous enough that someone else would pay for my way to get there, pay for my hotel, pay for my flight, mm. get and just put me there. Yeah. And that's really the only way I'm ever going to that con. So everything, you know, you got to take everything that I say about it with a grain of salt because I've never been there. Um, You've never been to but San, San no. Diego Comic Con? Really? I've never been to the city of San Diego. It's beautiful. It's, um, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I know. I've heard fantastic things. And someday I plan to go not for the convention, just, you know, just go there for the sake of going there. I have a, my sister lives outside of San Diego, so yeah. but yeah, I don't know. It's just um lost all its appeal to me. That's Yeah, and you're so. not really missing anything, you yeah. know. I mean, it's you've seen spectacle. You've been to large events, mm-hmm. concerts, games. Spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. Are you no. not entertained? Um but <laughs> are you not entertained? Yeah, you're and You're some of the things don't really need it anymore. Some of the things that came out of San Diego, um, like all of the things that people go there to see, are things that end up on the internet the next day anyway. So, mm. oh, speaking on of, that note, so DC's response was fucking hilarious to the leaked version of uh, Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, it was like a two paragraph. We're sorry that some people put this out on the internet in a format that blah 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 that we didn't want it to do. So here's the version that we would like you to experience. <laughs> Meanwhile. The uh, the Marvel reaction to I can't remember which one it was getting leaked was like God damn it no no they're like damn it Hydra <laughs> that, was, that was all they said awesome. yeah uh, so oh apocalypse probably yeah. yeah probably so that's one of the things that I actually wanted to talk about was that the t- the two big ones for me were the um, the Batman versus Superman extended trailer yep. and the Suicide Squad trailer and like. Batman versus Superman looks so goddamn pedantic, and really, it, it gave me juice about Joel. Was all I, I was all I was all over that, just it, riding it. Yeah. So here's the, here's the thing. Bleed, bro. <laughs> there are things about it that I think are really cool. Like I love Affleck. It, it, the Affleck looks fucking perfect for the role that he's meant to play, which is the Dark Knight Returns version of Batman, the old, grizzled, like, mm. he's been doing this forever kind of Batman. Fantastic. I think he's going to be fantastic in the role. I like Affleck as an actor. I think... I've seen Affleck do Daredevil. <laughs> You've I'm sort of saying, seen Affleck do Daredevil. I've, Daredevil. Seen, I've seen Affleck attempt to do a superhero movie. No, you have seen Affleck get shafted by shitty writing in a in a superhero movie. But you, you look at you got to look at Affleck outside superhero movies as an actor. Like look at things, uh, look at some of his other movies, and and he's a good actor. He's a really good actor. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I think that I think that he looks great. I think that if if the way that they're handling the his motivations for hating Superman mm. seems legit. Like he yeah. was in Metropolis that and was my one of his buildings gets the, destroyed the in the trailer. battle and that's his motivation for being like, we need to stop this motherfucker. Mm. Um, but they just over, it's so overwrought. The like false God thing, like I think what a lot of, the problem that a lot of people are having with these movies is that they feel like Elseworlds Superman t- stories. No. They don't feel like Superman. Yeah. Um, which is actually fine by me. Like, 
I like, you know, if they made a movie out of Red Sun, that would be pretty fucking cool. <laughs> um, and Fox News would be all over it. Yeah. But like, um, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't, like you said, it gives you goosebumps. It yeah. just had the polar opposite effect to me. It was, it felt, speaking of flat, talking about like the, the difference between hype machines and organic experiences, mm. this felt like it was engineered to try and give me goosebumps and yeah. it just fell flat because of it. Yeah. Okay. So you, you were resistance because you realized what they were trying to do to you and you're like, nope. It wasn't not gonna give Well, in. it wasn't just that. It wasn't it wasn't me resisting because I liked Man of Steel. I'm mm. one of the people who I really enjoy that movie. I think it has problems, but mm. I but I like it overall. Um I wanted to like this movie, but like the 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 visuals are kind of meh the like the, I don't know. There's just something about it that's not. It's not, not hitting to. for me. Yeah. So, but so for on the me, other hand, oh, sorry. No, I was just saying for for me, the first trailer just rang as pedantic, right? Because like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. Superman. He's everybody's saying that he's he's a god, right? And then it seemed like Batman was attacking Superman just because he was he was the top dog in Gotham or in the world and Batman's like no I got to take this guy down because I do you know, have I can to. be the I'm I'm Batman. <clears throat> this one actually gave him a reason for why Superman was dangerous, right? Sure. Because just him being around no matter if he's for good or whatever, he's going there's going to be destruction in his yeah. wake. You know, it's just one of the thing one of the things that happens one of the byproducts of being Superman is that you know there's going to be superpowered heroes all around you. So all the super battles that they had, you kind of saw, okay, well, if Superman was attacking Batman, how could Batman ever survive? And you kind of glimpsed at, okay, these are some of the ways that he could survive a battle with Superman. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. they did address Mm -hmm. that. And they brought in Wonder Woman, which looked pretty good, too. And they brought in... And Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor with hair. At first, I couldn't realize... It's not even with hair that... I'm sorry, but that's one of the worst parts of that trailer to me was, like, that... The line that they give Eisen of in the first time you ever see Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, and the yeah. line that they give him is "The red capes are coming, the red capes are coming." I'm like, it sounded he was poorly delivered. It sounded yeah. dumb. It was not Lex Luthor. Mm. It was yeah. just. It wasn't your Gene Hackman. I don't enough. necessarily mind him having the hair because I have a feeling that it's going to be kind of the, le- the villainous version's origin story where something is going to happen to it. Like, yeah. dealing with, like, handling kryptonite is going to make it him makes go bald or something, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. which, which is another thing that they brought in actual kryptonite into the movie, um, which I have a feeling is going to be a LexCorp invention. Like,. Oh, something well, like the no, I could see that, or he corners the market on it, or whatever. But from that, I said, okay, good progress. This is some. This is a movie that I'd want to see because the first one was just like, oh god, it's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Superman as the Christ-like figure yeah. many times before. It's been done. So this one was like, okay, this is something different. Then that's the reason why I like it. My two cents. Yeah, and then on the other side of the coin is Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad looks great. It really does. It looks so fun. See, see, and I'm on the other side. It looks completely fucking horrible to me. Oh, my oh, God. The actress looks... I, I got to say, the actress... I can't remember her name, but the actress that got to play Amanda Waller is tone perfect. Like, yes. I'm just like, yes. Watching them That's walk true. through like the burnt out streets, everyone's got just various weapons, and she's got a baseball bat, yeah. and she's pretending cocking it like a shotgun. I'm like, okay, no, yeah. I'm going to get real drunk. I'm going to watch this movie, and I'm going to have a great time. I, I think it looks fun. I don't think it looks perfect, but it looks... 
more like the like they I think they hit the tone really well. Yeah. Um, I some of the actors I could go like give or take. Like it's, I don't it's, Joel mm. Kinnaman. I don't give a fuck about. I don't give a fuck about what's his face. Will with, Smith? No, 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 no. The the white guy with the, the chops in there that was. I can't remember. I can't even remember the actor's name ja, because, um, um, yeah, he he was in Die Hard, the newest Die Hard movie, and wasn't he also and, in the Fast and the Furious? Uh, no, no. But he's like somebody once called him the mashed potatoes, like the <laughs> the cinematic equivalent of mashed potatoes, because he's just so bland and boring. But um, but okay. So most importantly to me, but like, it as opposed to like the grim dark Batman's and the where's your god now, you know that yeah. sort of stuff. This movie just looks like like okay, so we've got uh, like mostly B list villains, and we're gonna go have them save the world because yeah. we have them in prison. Yeah, I think it looks I think it looks fun, and there is an interesting Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney, thank you. There's an interesting fan theory out there right now about Jared Leto's Joker, which. Um, I don't know. I like a lot of people. He actually, once I saw him on screen, I think he was he was better than what I expected out of the pictures. The pictures are fucking like the pictures made it look terrible. Mm. However, there's a fan theory that that it's not the original Joker, that it's actually Jason Todd. That <laughs> um, because there's a there was a storyline that after Jason Todd got killed by the Joker, like the Joker ended up temporarily becoming the Red Hood and then mm-hmm. the Red Hood mantle got taken over by Jason Todd. So there's yeah. this fan theory that the like he's got a J tattoo on his cheek. Yeah. And there's a tattoo on his arm that has feathers that they're thinking is like maybe a, the Robin and they're thinking that the whole reason why he's got the metal grill for his teeth is because this is Jason Todd after the getting Joker. the shit beat out of him with a crowbar by the Joker. Yeah, but so, but that wasn't in the movies, though, right? So what? No, but, it doesn't matter. They're but they're, this is they're, they're rebuilding still... the Batman mythos from scratch as though it's twenty years later. Because in the in this Batman versus Superman trailer, you see the Robin outfit. Like there is there's a point where okay, he walks by and there's a Robin outfit and it's got uh, like ha 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 the jokes on you painted on the front. Okay, and that's it is if you when you freeze frame it you can see it's got the R in the chest so that's a it's the Robin costume. Okay, so maybe um, they address that that feeds into the Suicide Squad. Maybe yeah. If they did do that, then my hats off to them. Yeah. You know, yeah. because then they are actually building building a world, yeah. right? Which is something they've never done before. They've always been completely separate. Mm-hmm. And if they do want to bring them all together, then that's the way you do it. Okay, so for the last now three weeks, because we're a week late, we've been reading the first trade of Wormwood Gentleman Corpse. It came out. Did you find out what year? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. It is by Ben Templesmith. Uh, it's entitled "Birds, Bees, Blood, and Beer." Uh, this was Andy's suggestion. So uh, why don't you run away with it, Andy, and talk about the talk about the book? Okay. First off, I'm going to put it as a buy. Uh, it's completely irreverent, and it's just super fun. It's a very supernatural thing. Um, whatever sort of, um, like, my favorite thing about Ben Templesmith, um, other than his art, is that he just takes whatever he wants and runs with it. This is, like, the most shallow of the the series. 
like it doesn't go that far into any weird mythos or anything like that. Before we get too deep into that, why don't you describe what it is, like for the listeners? Uh, wormwood is a a worm that inhabits people's bodies, uh, corpse-like versions of their bodies. And in this volume, he hangs out in a bar and sort of fixes problems with the bar or the patrons of the bar. Uh, it's supernatural themed. Everyone is either a construct, a zombie, um, oh, what is a, is it a Medusa, Medusa and, uh, what's the other girl with Medusa? I don't remember what Pandora she is. Pandora or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. She, she makes her tattoos kill stuff. Yeah. That's well, that's <laughs> the, all the, all the strippers are Greek gods to a certain extent okay. and they have tattoos that come to life. Um, it's just fun. Like I, yeah, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's, it's not. You're not going to get a lot out of this book other than sort of seeing, hey, this is something cool to kill some time with. Mm, yeah, yeah. And and that's the one thing I really enjoyed about it was that it is it is kind of a supernatural. And you do see a lot of parallels with like Hellboy. Okay. But whereas Hellboy deals with some stuff that are super serious, um, this does is tongue firmly planted in cheek. So... Uh, since we, we since we changed up the format of the show a little bit, we're doing by bar or burn at the beginning, and we'll do that right now. Um, we'll we'll start with me. Uh, burn it with fire. Burn I it with burn it. Fire. I I hated it. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Uh, how about you guys? I uh, I would buy it. Yeah, it's a solid buy for me. I love it. It's just fun. All right. I reread it every I don't know a few years. I mean, like I said, there's not much to it, but every time you sit down and read it, it's enjoyable. And it's got the fact that you can reread it and still have just as much fun with it as opposed to being like, oh, I know what the next punchline is. Yeah, yeah. And Andy, when I first started reading comic books, Andy had lent this to me because he wanted to show how comic books have come since, you know, the last time I read comic books was back in X-Men, like Genosha Mm -hmm. age. And so I was like, oh, God. You know, so it's definitely dark. And Ben Temple Smith kind of lends himself to darkness, right? And... But it's also doesn't but only take for thirty s- days. <laughs> no, I see what you did. There. Yeah. Also, fell, <laughs> fell is amazing. Yeah, okay. and, and fell is amazing too. And I have, and I have after reading fell and wormwood, I went and got singularity seven, which was kind of a self published, self published thing. Not the best. It was, it was more of a story of like what the humans would be like if they were in the matrix, where the robots took over. And humans were trying to live in a wasteland and whatnot, and super dark also. But didn't it was a little too weird for me. Where this one was the right amount of weird, right amount of irreverence and whatnot. I mean, the whole final battle with Moloch is how it ends is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so before we get into opinions of the book Mm. uh, at least my opinions of the book um, there is a thing that we kind of teased at the beginning of the show where we were talking about uh, San Diego Comic Con and Ben Templesmith just um, he decided not to participate in the con itself and instead showed up at a local bar in the Gaslamp District Squid Con and made his own thing just kind of sat down and sketched and told his fans that's where he was going to be and didn't tell the bar really that that's what was going on but mm. you know made sure that his fans came in and like bought supported the bar bought some drinks tipped people well and uh you know I, I have a lot of respect for that that's right that's pretty fucking awesome yeah. um i i have a lot of respect anytime someone um like if they're going to if they're going to 
take some business over making sure that the people who are there for them are supporting the business that yeah. they're working with, right? Or surprising with their presence. Um, and I mean, Ben Temple Smith clearly has a, a lot of fans, and uh, but it sounds like that sounds like a wildly more entertaining way to to participate in San Diego Comic Con than by actually going to the convention. Like, sit there for a day and sketch some sit, shit and bullshit with people, and and there's there's one of those like you know a chance to have a more organic experience with a with a creator that you like. Like, yeah. I would love to do I mean, something. It like was a that craft experience. He's like, I'm going to be at a bar. If you like beer, you can come and hang out with me. Yeah. that is the experience I want you to have as a fan of mine. Right, exactly. Um, so, I mean, so th- th- that's the thing. Like, you guys, this is going to be a real short show if all you guys can say is, well, I liked it. And we're done. Like yeah. you guys have got to say something positive because I am no joke. I have not. I do not have a single positive thing to say about this book. All right, okay. I'll go nuts then. Um, so the art is fantastic. I'm gonna talk about the art and then I'm talk about the story. Okay. The art is fantastic. I love Ben Temple Smith's the way that he does line work. Specifically, if you look at like the tattoos, how they are like not part of like. So he does the drawing and then he puts the very neon esque tattoos over the drawings. So they sort of get pulled from the page in this way that I've never seen anyone else do. Mm-hmm. It is awesome. Yep. Like his normal style of artwork is very dark and gritty and a little bit angular. It reminds me of sort of uh, the UK like 82,000 or uh, heavy metal-esque. That's what I get a sort of feeling okay. for. Um, and like everything is just like very mundane with these incredibly weird supernatural things but then the supernatural elements themselves the animated tattoos like the explosions like that sort of stuff pops that much more because of the mundaneness of the regular panels um most of his stuff is done in like muted tones browns black white maybe and a little gray basically monotone f- on on the page yeah even when there's lighting effects with the monotone stuff, it's just like here's some white going into yellow into the brown. Right. It's it's usually the same. Like it's either a green or a brown or a blue. Yeah. And it's almost like a single panel will be one one set of tones. It's almost like sepia tone. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then you have like these elements like the tattoos or like the gore. It just pops that much more because of it. Um, there was an old image book that I cannot remember the name of. Maybe it was like. Kill bloodshot. Blood, was Bloodshot the black, white, and red? Or not one? Bloodshot. Blood, it was no. It was it was the Jim Lee one that yeah. he did in black and white and with and red with with just red splashes. Yeah, and that's what this sort of reminds me of to a certain extent because by using those very monotone colors for Fuck the majority you. of of the Fucking page, <laughs> so, so many sirens. I'm sorry, guys. We didn't shut windows. Um, but by using those monotone colors, really the the vibrantness of what he wants you to pay attention to just sticks out. Like a neon sign um, really just pops off the page because everything else is so bland. Or Medusa's tattoos when they come to life, they it, it looks like it's not actually part of the world because it is so different than everything else on the page. So Joel is <laughs> Joel's just, like, yep, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Not no, no, no. I, okay, so sure. the reason the reason why I like this was it was because first of all, the main character Wormwood isn't isn't a person at all. It's a it's a worm, and it's a little demonic worm, and it possesses over bodies and takes it over. And this body, um, it just happens to be a corpse because he doesn't want to take over living bodies. And there's actually a scene where he leaves he leaves his body in order to test out this this thing so they put him into a jar mm-hmm. and and then test the the whole theory out which is these demons coming out of 
infesting people's bodies and breaking out of them, a la aliens, right? And just the whole fact that the main character is a worm is kind of irreverent, right? And then on top of that, you have this whole cast of characters that were are his like the the construct the construct which you don't realize he's a construct in the after, until afterwards but he does look a little weird um the, there's uh, there's I have the no bits the um this there's Alan a stri- more construct <laughs> yeah yeah it's seriously yeah. yeah with a big ass beard and then they they have the the stripper with the the tattoos medusa yeah the medusa and then they have the the one the detective who's a who's a ghost yeah trotsky yeah. Trotsky. Trotsky. Yeah, right? So you have all these characters that you wouldn't really see together, and he makes it work. And then also there's all the cast of characters that come through that that bar looking for different things and just how those situations are dealt with because it's usually with like Cthulhu like elements or the macabre everybody's going insane super serious and whatnot like no this is just the day in the life of of this Wormwood bar and so. So before wanna, before you jump in there real quick, one of my favorite things. Oh, you'll have to wait. Uh, one of my favorite things about this is the last story. Um, Moloch gets summoned. Like they don't, they fail to stop the ritual, and Moloch and everyone's shooting him. And Wormwood's like, guys, bullets not going to work. Okay, keep shooting him. And then the construct's like, I'm going Super Saiyan, and he tries much. He's like, not going to work. And he's like, excuse me, are you uh, are you related to uh? Memnon, I think. Memnon? He's like, Menok. Yeah, yeah, I am. He's like, I actually went to school with Menok. Yeah. And like, <laughs> the demon stops the fight to get a call from his wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most mundane thing ever. But then he's talking to Memnok, and, or he's talking to Moloch, and he's like, yeah, look, I'm kind of inhabiting this world, and I'm really enjoying it, so people running around on fire without skin would really put a damper on that. Do you think maybe we could like work something out and the guy's like oh yeah no problem uh, sorry about this uh, my bad yeah he's like and like he teleports what? away he's like you need to stop by the family convention you know there's you know we're getting older and we'd love to hear some stories and as he's teleporting away uh, Wormwood's like yeah no problem you and as soon as he ports away he's like toss her <laughs> yeah he's like wait wait are you are you the Wormwood oh yeah Mammon Ma- it was Mammon he's like Mammon talks about you in the school days all the yeah. time hey man how's it going he's like yeah you know can I keep my world he's like yeah sure sorry about it I'll, I'll talk to you later so the thing about this for me the yeah. artwork well, let's talk about the artwork okay. first, yeah. because that's where you started. I'm never going to say, like, there there are definitely instances in the world where I can look at a piece of artwork and say, this is shitty artwork, right? That happens. This this is not one of them. I can't be like, I'm not going to look at Temple Smith's art and be like, this is shitty artwork. I hate it. Like, it's <laughs> it's fair. not bad, because not your taste. he is a he's a fantastic artist. He's got skill. You can tell he's got skill. He's one of those artists where you can look at his art and be like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and it's just a specific style. Um, but it's I can't stand to look at it. Like I have the same problem with Thirty Days of Night. Right? Like I love the story in Thirty Days of Night. I hate the execution because of Temple Smith's art, um, and that. That sucks for me to say because I think like I, uh, I he falls under the same category for not not stylistically, but in the same category of artists as me as Matt Kent. Where like I like Kent's stories, I hate his art, and I can't read stuff with his art in it because I d- I dislike it so much. And that's where Temple Smith falls for me. And I was hoping, I was really really hoping to go into this. I tried real hard to set that aside when I went into this, and I was really, really hoping that I could, like, you know, that the story would be able to help me set aside and just enjoy the artwork. Mm. 
just couldn't do it. And, and I, I think a lot of the things that you describe about like the the kind of monotone nature of the panels and some of the like tricks that he uses fell really flat for me. Like, and that's actually kind of to me that like monotone nature drains the story of a lot of its energy. Um, And I just can't like, it just kind of, it felt grindy after a while reading it. Um, There's other reasons for that, but that's why I don't want to dwell too much on like Temple Smith's art because it is really just a stylistic thing for me. It's not that it's not a quality thing. It's just personal taste. And I just don't like his style. And I can't remember if we ever discussed on the show. I know we've discussed it before, but I don't know if we were recording at the time that I happen to love Matt Kinn's artwork. Okay. I mean, it's it just, I think it's really unique. Um, as opposed to trying to make something lifelike, both Temple Smith and Kent are giving you a forced perspective that is not necessarily the sure. real perspective, but it's it influences sort of, you know, it accentuates what they want you to pay attention yeah. to. Well, and see, I don't necessarily mind, I don't, I don't need artists to try and be either realistic or to fall into the same kind of like, uh, artistic tropes that a lot of comic artists fall into uh, because there are artists that I like who are really kind of oddball. Like Scotty Young's a good example of like his stuff. His is, super kitty cartoon stuff. Yeah, the kitty cartoon stuff. And like Christina bought all of his um, his odd Oz books okay. and those look really fucking fantastic. And there are definitely artists that I like that are not hyper-realistic. hyper-realistic. I mean, if you really want to go there, so is Brian Hurt, right? Like, Brian Hurt, when you look at the first, especially the first, I'd say, 10 or 12 issues of The Sixth Gun, he's very cartoony. You mean like issue seven through whatever. No, Hurt. Brian Hurt was always on was this book. Was he always on the he, book? Brian Hurt was one of the creators of The Sixth Gun. He has never been not on the, the color. Uh. No, 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 no. You're thinking, I think you're, are you getting it mixed up with Invincible and Ryan Otley? I might be because Ryan Otley was or walking Ryan Otley was not the first uh, artist on that and and uh, Charlie Adler was also not the first artist on The Walking Dead. It was yeah. you know for the first six issues it was um, the guy that did Fear Agent. Yeah, um, who's my brain fuck? I drank um, your, <laughs> your brain fuck. Okay, um, so, so I don't know. It's um, the art. The art's just not for me. And I can't do it. And one of the things... So here's a perfect example of what I was saying about the difference between quality but not my style and shitty artwork. And it actually came up in a 30 Days of Night short story. There was a two-issue... Uh, there was a two-issue 30 Days of Night story that was done several years ago. It was probably five, four or five years was ago. Was the one in Vegas? No, no, no. Uh, Tony Moore, thank you. Uh, where... It was actually like a survey team in Alaska gets stranded and set upon by vampires, um, and they basically have to try and make it back from the vehicle that they had gone out on their survey back to their base while the vampires are harrying them. And um, I don't remember what the subtitle of the storyline was, but it was written by the guy that writes 30 Days of Night that I can't remember. Steve Niles. Niles, thank you. It was written by Steve Niles, but it was drawn by Sam Keith, right? And Sam Keith normally like his art. Uh, it's like I like the like the Max yeah, stuff from back yeah. then, and some of the Wolverine stuff it's that he did hyper, is hyper. Yeah, it's got, he's hyper stylized. Hyper stylized, yeah. So Sam Keith then tried to basically emulate Temple Smith 
in this book. Mm. But in instead of emulating Temple Smith and Temple Smith's stylistic choices, his art just flat looked unfinished. Okay. There were pages that literally looked like like unfinished pencil layouts that he had splattered some watercolor on. It was the core difference to me between Temple Smith being a good artist but one that I don't like and Sam Keith's art in the same style of book being bad. Bad artwork. Um, which is a, which was really shocking to me because I like Sam Keith and Sam Keith, his finished artwork is very cool. Um, when he fucked it up though, it's just like, ugh. So, yeah, I mean, art art's not for me. Uh, so let's talk about the writing. I mean, I don't know what you're like. It's irreverent. It's, you know, it's vignettes. It's, yeah. what, three or four different it's, little, like, one-shots? It's pages of talking heads and expository dialogue. And what my problem with it is that it feels really much like he's trying desperately to sound like Warren Ellis and failing. Um, hmm. A lot, especially... I got to the point where I was reading this first thing where every time Wormwood opened his mouth, I just wanted him to shut up. (laughs) Because there's an art to characters that blabber, right? Mm -hmm. There's an art to being able to write them well without boring your readers, and I think that Temple Smith failed in that here. Because Wormwood babbles. He he over-talks, and I I don't think it was executed successfully. Um, and that aggravated me because like especially there were especially scenes where it was just like like no dialogue, no dialogue, no dialogue, or very little dialogue, and then Wormwood opens his mouth and it's like four giant blocks of text that doesn't advance anything. It's just him blah 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 blah. And it wasn't to me was not funny enough to it wasn't funny enough to balance the fact that it was re- uh, repetitive. So I think that that was sort of done on purpose because what he this is my complete assumptions. He's trying to show this point that, you know, Wormwood is completely unaffected by these horrific monstrosities mm-hmm. that they're encountering. And it's just a normal day in his life. Mm-hmm. So as he's getting ripped in half, you know, he's talking about stuff like, hey, guys, uh, he has a tentacle monster inside of him and he's getting ripped in half. He's like, yeah, just shoot me in the neck. Shoot me in the neck right now. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. Well, and I guess I guess part of it to me was also hand me the book for a sec. Yeah, no part of it to me was that um, there were scenes, the dialogue just there are these asides where the characters just describe shit that doesn't need describing. Like mm. it's it's kind of like the same problem that you have with Gaiman that he he writes everything as though it's prose and then expects uh like and doesn't leave any room for his artist to create anything and this is really bad especially in considering that he's doing the writing and the art in here i don't think there are points where i don't think he dis, he he didn't adequately decide which one should be conveying the the point that he's trying to make and he didn't balance them right he either had like a talking head scene where the solution to the problem was just blathered out in expository dialogue, or he had um, like something happening in the scene that was simultaneously being described by the characters. And it was just like fucking figure out the balance and make it so that your, your dialogue is um, uh, complimentary 
and supplementary to your artwork instead of being either um, either taking over completely so that you're just doing everything in dialogue mm. or in set up in a situation where you're you're being redundant. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just the combination of that and Wormwood's blabber, blabber, blabber. It just felt like... Cause, because like a good example of kind of this comedic blathering um, that we've dealt with in in recent episodes was both in was both Warren Ellis stuff, and that's why I say it's it's like trying to sound like Warren Ellis. And it was yeah. it was um, the the best one, of course, being Next Wave. Like there's a ton of spots where guys are just blah 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 blah, blah but it's funny and it's like it it progresses the plot. Um, the same is true, even though I didn't like it as much as other people like it, the same is true of Transmetropolitan. There's a ton of scenarios where people are just talk, 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 um, kind of describing shit that's going on, um, especially uh, Spider Jerusalem, um, but it, but it's executed better, and it's stuff that's, um, it doesn't feel redundant, and it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, telling and not showing. I know that we did... Transmetropolitan. I do not remember that recording at all. Really? I don't. I love that book, and I don't remember it. God Wasn't it like it was eighty? It. it was one it was, of our big reads. I mean, it was a long read, but I mean, yeah. I, I don't remember or seventy it at all. Yeah, yeah, whatever. We've done a lot of episodes. No, see, and I totally take that into account, and it's and it's true. There is a lot of blathering, but I. I really enjoyed it. Now, it could be for me when I first read this that it was so novel and something that I've never seen before mm-hmm. that I enjoyed it because I thought the artwork was perfect because one thing that Pimple, uh, Ben Templesmith does. Pimple Pimple Smith. Pimple Smith. Pimpleton? Yeah. Pimple Smith. Tim, Tim Bimplesmith. Um, Bimplesmith. It's pronounced Bimplesmith. The one thing that he does is he doesn't make the stuff... Pimplesmith snatch Stuff pretty. You know, he's not Jim Lee. Yeah, sure. He, his stuff is not supposed to look pretty it's supposed to make you look creepy to right, give you yeah. kind of and like the it, chills uh, right when they're at the strip club like you know he's completely disinterested in the strippers until the one takes off her mask and has a skull face underneath and he's like oh yeah yeah you know and so that's one thing and then also um it could be the fact that when he was writing this it seemed it was in between when he was working with warren ellis on fell because Fell was in 2005 and went on hiatus until 2008 or something like that. So in between then, he came out with this all by himself. So maybe he was trying to... Maybe he had subconsciously sort of by osmosis... Just or try to do, up. you know, try to imitate what Warren Ellis was doing. Which, I mean, it's a and, noble pursuit, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. and then like, on top of that, I, I, this was the first time where I saw dialogue boxes that were different for each person, right? So the normal, the normal humans would have these... Plain white, the the white dialogue boxes that you know you see in every every comic book, and then the the demons and all the supernatural would have either different colors, black with different colored text, yeah, mostly exactly, yeah. which is something I've never seen before. So he was he was trying to do something different, and then the fact that he was taking something that was supposed to be dark and macabre and and made it funny, Feminine. kind of like yeah, like to Buffy the fair, Vampire Slayer or something. Well, see, to be fair, that okay, I. I understand what you're saying about mm. the dialogue boxes, but that was definitely not the first time that had been done. Like that oh, no, is that's I know. something that I, had I, been. No, no, no. It's the first okay, time I that just, I had seen okay. it because, like I said, this was when I was starting to get back into comic books. Yeah. After being out of it for a good ten years or whatnot, and I was like, oh god damn, this is things have changed completely different than anything I've seen with like Marvel, X Men, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So did yeah. we ever do Fell? No. Okay. Um, it's I don't know it. 
it's it's just a whole fucking book full of almosts for me. <laughs> it's like it, it it does feel it does have a very supernatural kind of Hellboy feel, but it's like it's like Hellboy, but not but without the without the good art or the. Proper story. execution, yeah. Or the good story, story structure. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it's no. just like I don't know. I it maybe it would. This sounds strange, but maybe I could forgive a lot of these perce- my perceived failings in the book if it weren't also completely superficial. Right, like there is, n- there's zero depth to this at all. Okay, and no. yeah. there's, and that's intentional. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're gonna make something with zero depth, for me, it has to, it, it has to be funnier. It has to have some sort of commentary of some sort. Like, uh, I'll bring it back to next wave, of course, because next wave, next wave is like about as deep as a sheet of paper it's nothing it's it yeah. is complete superficial is, everything's on the surface that is all they're, they're, it's cotton candy yeah yes. um it's delicious but, fucking <laughs> yes candy. yeah it is um and you want more once you're done with it right and i didn't even want what i read of this book so like, <laughs> apparently not yeah i don't well, know i just why don't you tell us how you really feel Luke? god I, it's been a while since i've had a book that just completely falls apart for me like holy there's holy terror right <laughs> there have been a few books that we've read over the course of the show that are just bad. There have been books that I'm like meh on, but I can find yeah. positives merit. and merit. Yeah. But this one, man, it it literally just completely fell to pieces. For what me. was it? Super Truck and Wonder Girl. <laughs> Super. <laughs> oh my God! Wow. That's Super Truck and Boring Girl. Boring yeah, Girl. Yeah, that's that's that a was, fucking callback. Was that number six? That was a while ago. Yeah, that's seven or eight, oh, something geez. like that. Like. It was. <laughs> <laughs> this this was just as bad as Super Truck and Wonder Girl. Boring girl. Boring girl, okay. No, actually, this was worse because I actually like Terry Moore's art. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I don't know. I just, there's... Gauntlet thrown. You know, it's funny because like in the early... This this is one of those things that makes... It interests Podcast me a little bit. Table. <laughs> interests me a little bit in the, the, uh, the evolution of this show over the last four years that... We used to be polite if to I had done this, mm. If I had done this episode on like episode within the first 10 episodes on this book i would be a lot more ranty about it and i would just be like fuck ben temple smith and everything that he stands for fuck that guy and fuck his stupid fucking comic book and fuck it fuck you know yeah. but now i'm just kind of like i actually kind of feel bad for being like it's just awful like yeah. and i don't like I don't want to be that guy that's just like internet you know but i'm just like I read this book and I Twitter I got, has changed you. Fam. I got two issues into this book and I was sitting at home and I'm just like, oh fucking Christ! I'm just flipping pages, like skimming and reading as fast as I can. I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. And and that's the thing. Like, I like the concept of the end battle where he like has this conversation with the demon. And I think it would have. I I actually think he went a step too far with that. With the um. With the the, 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 the phone demon call, cell phone call, the phone call yeah. from the wife was a step over the line uh, that actually took it from potentially being a funny resolution to being an over the top kind of dumb resolution. Where if that phone call hadn't been there, yeah, and the rest of it had been completely the same with the whole conversation like, where hey, he's like, "Oh, to dude, I'm brother? totally sorry, yeah. man. If I'd have known that you were here, I would not have come in." This and he's, he's talking about the demon that summons. He was like, "This fucker didn't tell me what was going on here." So I'm like, uh, "Like that whole part, great." 
Yeah. But he ruins it right at the beginning with that. With but that's kind of saying in Agents of Hate that they went of Warren Ellis went over the line with the drop bears, right? The weaponized drop bears. No, <laughs> that was a little ridiculous. The climatic fight with Bodok, <laughs> and then uh, what was it? Uh, Rocket Rex and right. And Moon Boy. And Moon Boy. Oh no, he and killed. He, he, he ate, Moon, ate Boy. Moon Boy. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah, yeah, didn't like it. Devil Burn Dinosaur's it. coming back. By the way, anyway. can't do it. That's fine. okay. Nah. Everyone's got their own thing. Yeah. But you guys like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I think it's oh, great. Yeah. And it's yeah. like even more irreverent. Like the third book has uh, Elvis Presley, Cthulhu Hunter. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It's so good. So we've only got three episodes left of this show after this one. Uh, the show is ending at episode 100. For anybody out, out there that's been listening to us for a while, that is the end kaput goodbye of the entirety of podcasts on Geekerific. Not just trade secrets, but that's the last podcast. Just pulling up the tent sticks, like, huh? Yeah. I mean, we... Salting the earth behind us. <laughs> started with After the Fact and added trade secrets and then hit the briefly deck. added Hit the Deck and almost added Everything is Ruined, um, but that never happened. Uh, I don't even know. Like I don't. Anne supposedly still has the the recordings of the one and only episode of Everything Is Ruined Forever. But um, uh, but yeah, we are we're ending trade secrets and thus yeah. also ends the podcast reign of Geekerific.com. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, well, it was it was long while it lasted. What, shouldn't we save this until like episode one hundred? We'll get there. Okay, it's like we got terminal cancer. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, just. just just I think I'm going to start a, a podcast up called Super After the Fact. Yeah, we're in, <laughs> we're in hospice care now. Um, uh, so if you want to be part of the show, uh, then you only have three episodes to do it. There will be those three episodes are going to encompass um, All Star Batman and Robin, which will be actually next week, not two weeks from now, because this episode was a week late. We're going to do all of our best to get Eddie on that show. Um, we've had some technical problems that we tried to work out this morning for as far as being able to get uh, a Skype conversation working. Emphasis uh, um, on tried. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to see if it's even. What if we just set up actually your iPad possible and put a mic? Of a mic. Oh, we might do that. That might be the solution that we. I, end would, up I, I up want with. someone to take a photo if we do that. <laughs> Um, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure that Eddie's able to participate in that show because that you know he's our Batman guy, and hopefully we can get Eddie back for pre- for the Preacher long read on episode 100 as well. Um, and in between those two, we're doing Trees by Warren Ellis uh, for episode 99. So if you have any questions or comments or you want to talk to us about All Star Batman and Robin or Trees or Preacher. Um, or you just want to, you know, say goodbye or tell yell at us or, or tell us all the fuck off and thank us for leaving the internet. If you want to tell Luke that he's wrong about Wormwood and that it's brilliant, <laughs> we will also accept that. Um, mm-hmm. Please, uh, please hit us up on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod or hit us up on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Trade Secrets Podcast or hit us up on our email address at Trade Secrets, uh, Trade Secrets at Geekerific.com. And we will we will hopefully be able to you know ad- address the questions or comments or things that you have on the air. Um, uh, people have been posting stuff to the Facebook group that uh, and just kind of leaving shit behind, like the, which I'm not sure. There's there've been posts where I'm not sure whether they want us to talk about things on the show or if they're just like here's the thing. 
um and then we talk about it on the on the actual group but if you also want to talk to us we talk on the group all the time so uh again episodes 98 through 100 will be all-star batman and robin trees and the preacher long read which is all 66 issues of the normal preacher run none of the side stuff none of the side stuff and uh that will be the end of the show for all time so thank you andy for uh being in hospice care with us no problem thank you joel for you know enduring the chemotherapy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, I am Luke. This has been episode 97 of the Trade Seekers Podcast, and we are out. Work it harder, make it better. Do it faster, makes us stronger. All that never